last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by... Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit, where we take a look at the issues of the day, both in and out of the church, via teaching and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. Our prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit. That scripture was taken from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. And that's to let us know that people who sometimes leave the church or we claim that have backslidden really haven't backslidden at all. They've just kind of were never really saved in the first place. All right, but that's going to be a study for another time. I just wanted to throw that out there, and then I'll tie it together with what we're going to do today. Today, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to give you the top 10 indicators that I think in modern times to let you know that you may be in a not-so-good church. Perhaps you need to rethink about where you are. And this goes along with the idea of how do we find a good church. So I'm going to show you some things that, to me, uh, if I saw it on a regular basis, I would have some red flags. And by the way, no church is perfect. But I would definitely have some red flags here. So what are some of the top, what, is, what makes my top 10 list of just weird things you see in, in some churches? That make you go, hmm, I don't know. So let's get right into it. Number 10, you find yourself in a church and people are having, particularly the leadership, you get one or two people, but God knows you don't want a whole lot of people either. And they're getting regular visitations from angels on a regular basis. Now, I believe in angelic activity i believe that god does send angels on assignment to do certain things to help us here in the world but i'm talking about every day there are people who write books and speak and about having coffee with angels you're in your bathroom shaving with angels um angels are just all over the place on a regular basis they have their own personal angel that they and this particular guardian angel he is here to serve you then you can command them and boss them around and tell them what to do that's not biblical angels don't answer to me and they don't answer to you i don't give them orders and you don't give them orders they move when god tells them to move They act when God tells them to act. So if angels are out here doing anything or they make a personal appearance, which they're not likely to do, 
And I know the Bible says entertain strangers. Some have entertained angels unawares. Yes, we should always be careful how we treat people, uh, even strangers. Um, Quite certainly, we want to treat everybody with dignity and respect and, and with kindness. I get that. But that does not now mean that I'm having angels on a regular basis visit me. When people have every day, every five minutes, and they're having conversation with angels, and angels are giving them great, deep revelations. We're going to talk about that, getting these so-called revelations from angels. Um, you see that in the book of Enoch, which is not a canonical book, by the way. But it is interesting that in that book he does talk about angels. But the angels that were here on earth that taught us anything actually taught us how to sin. So... I don't think you want to be getting regular visitation from angels and having them hang out with you and, and um, you know, telling you different things. Now, you see in the Bible, the angels made angelic visits like uh, John on the Isle of Patmos. Uh, you see it with Gideon. You see it with, with Abraham. And whenever they make appearances, it's always something to do with God's divine purpose in the earth. It's the larger picture, the, the grand narrative. They don't just appear because, you know, you're just so wonderful or... God has something specific to do to tell you, like, you know, you should wear red socks instead of green socks today. Well, man, did any angel to come and tell me that? I don't know. All right. So that's just weird. If you're in the church and you're hearing people getting regular visitations, I'm talking on the regular. I'm not talking about once in a while you might hear a testimony here and there about it. Okay. I believe I've had some experiences like that. But again, you notice I'm not talking about it, right? And it's only like rare once or twice, perhaps at least that I'm aware of, okay? But um, I have never met them uh, personally. I'm not, I have never sat down had a conversation with one, and chances are you never will either. Uh, number nine, number nine, trips to heaven. Trips to heaven. People making regular trips to heaven. I've read several books about people who allegedly went to heaven, and wow. Number one, they all contradict each other. Number two, one, one guy said the Holy Spirit is blue. Another guy said he's green. Another say the Holy Spirit is uh, that Jesus is six feet tall. Another guy said he's five feet tall. So which is it? I don't know. So Jesus just is, is he shape-shifting? Is, Jesus, is the Holy Spirit changing colors? Or I, I mean, I don't know. Not to say God can't do that, but to what end? To what purpose? Uh, yeah, you shouldn't be taking regular trips to heaven. The, the Apostle Paul in Corinthians says that he knew a man speaking about himself who was caught up into the third heaven. And Paul came back and said, I could not, it was not lawful for me to tell you what I saw. Wait, what? The Apostle Paul went to heaven? Yes, he did. You know, the third heavens, he said. And he, when he, but he couldn't tell you what he saw. These guys now go up there and come back and explain everything to you. Now you say, oh, well, the Apostle John, the Revelator, John uh, gave us some, ins went to heaven and came back down and told us what he saw. Yeah, and first of all, how many people even understand that the, it's, uh, it's all symbolic language? It's not uh, to be taken in a wooden literal sense. A lot of that is just symbolic. Uh, I did a whole, went through the whole book of Revelations. You can go back and check it out on the podcast. And I talk about all these revelations that he had in heaven. And basically, it was just a worship service, a lot of symbolism, 
and uh but that's it these guys are going to heaven and and you know talking about um in heaven has a place called christmas town where it's snowing all the time and and uh that was cat kerr i guess would you know she, the false prophet just came up with some nonsense of like to that effect um yeah yeah so christmas town and then there's another place called candy land where there's candy all the time and just pure and utter nonsense that's just not in the scripture they start talking to you like that uh sounded more like willy wonka's chocolate factory than any, anything else um than actual um than actually what's what's going on in heaven and and the few glimpses that we have in of heaven it's always worship i don't i don't see anything else going on up there but worship isaiah saw the lord high and lifted up and the angels were saying holy 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 and again you get back to the fourth and fifth chapter of of uh, revelations and you just see worship going on then after that the rest is god judgment god judging the earth so i don't all this other stuff with candy what are they talking about i don't know yeah so people are taking regular trips to heaven trust me these people are not going to heaven and they're not getting a tour and it shows when they finally write their books um, there was another one out a number, number of years ago. I believe it was, I don't want to misquote the name of the book, but I believe it was I'll Hold You in Heaven. I'm not sure if that was the one. It might have been a different one. But basically, this kid allegedly wrote about how he had a, he took this trip to heaven and uh, come to find out it never happened. The son and the mother both said it never happened. They had just been in a car wreck. And I guess the father, who was a pastor at the time, I don't know what he's doing now, coerced the son into it, wrote this bogus book about his son's experiences, but it never happened, and the son will tell you it never happened. We don't need books written about heaven to prove that heaven is real. Heaven is, is it's real, it's there. Don't need a book to prove it. So uh, let's not, you know, let's not worry about that. Trips to heaven. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a biggie. Uh, number eight. If it isn't a trip to heaven, it's tours of hell. People who have allegedly God brought them into hell or let them see what hell was like, and they were falling, and there was demons that came to grab them and take them and torture them. This is Dante's Inferno. That's not what the Bible teaches about hell. I did a podcast on that called Hellfire and Damnation, and, it, and I explained to you what hell actually is. But the way that you know this is fake is that the demons are not in hell torturing anybody. The demons themselves are being tortured. Okay. Hell is facing the full-on wrath of God nonstop. That's what it comes down to pretty much. Um, and that's why the people are in torment. Because you're dealing with the wrath of God. It has nothing to do with demons torturing, torturing you. The demons are not putting you in an elevator and taking you to the lower parts where they can torture you really really bad and like the further like the certain levels in hell and the further down you go you know the greater the torture and uh, uh, nonsense okay that's not what's happening um the demons are suffering in hell just like everybody else and includes the devil he himself will be suffering in hell just like everyone else if you don't believe me read ezekiel 28 it talks about how people are going to see him and he'll be wagging their heads like, is this the guy that shook nations, that 
Everybody was afraid of, and now look at him. You know, he's nothing. Yeah, so that's what God's going to do with the devil. So let's not get ahead of ourselves and get crazy about it and think, oh, man, you know, people are getting uh, tours of hell. God is not giving tours of hell. If you happen to find yourself in hell, you're not there for a tour, and you won't be leaving. And he definitely won't be coming back to tell us what's going on here. Uh, that That's just not going to happen. And so we do not get tours of hell. Don't buy the book. Don't waste your money. I don't care who it is or what TV pod, broadcast you saw on what podcast you heard on. People are not getting tours of hell. Don't waste your time. Uh, well, the, the, what we know of hell is already revealed in Scripture. That's all we need. What we need to know about heaven is already revealed in Scripture, and that's all you need to know. God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Whatever we need to make it in this life, God has given it to us. You do not need a tour or need somebody to take a tour and show you, point out various aspects of hell. Um, that's not happening, especially when, like I said, the demons are not torturing anyone. The devil's not sitting on a throne in hell. You know, saying, you know, I'm in charge here and we're going to make you suffer. That's not what's happening. The devil has no throne. He never gets a throne. He will not have a throne when he's in hell. Okay, he'll be down there like everybody else that ends up in there. And, and by the way, the, the hell was made for the devil and his angels. It wasn't even made for mankind. Yeah, go figure that out. So if it was made for the devil and his angels, how in the world are they down there in charge? No, it's, it's, they're being punished uh, for the rebellion and insurrection against the kingdom of God. Number seven, number seven. If you're in a church and people are getting special revelations that require you to, uh, to pay to find out what it is. If God is giving people special revelations and the only way they're going to give you that special revelation is that you're going to have to pay. You're going to have to come to a master class. And you're going to have to pay me to get this special revelation. Now, there are people who teach master classes um, on, you know, different things in, uh, that may be costly. But those are people who have been to seminary and maybe they've, they've had to pay to get that education. And so, you know, they, they are willing to share that with you. And sometimes by making a person pay, it gives value to what they're learning as opposed to free all the time. Okay, so I'm not talking about those types of master classes. I'm talking about when they tell you, I went to heaven. Here we go again with the visitation to heaven. Or God gave me a vision or a revelation. And I'm going to teach you on how to pray. There's levels of prayer of prayer that we've never that we we've never known about. And now God has for some bizarre reason revealed it to me. He didn't reveal it to everybody else. He just specifically picked out one person. Revealed it to me. And now in order for you to get what God revealed to me, because I have such a special relationship that he only told me, he didn't tell you guys. So I'm going to charge you guys money now, and I'll pass it on to you. That makes no sense. If God wanted everybody to have it, why did he just pick you out? Why didn't he just go ahead and give it to everybody? And if he picked you out to share it, why are you charging people to get it? You didn't get paid any money to get it. Now you're charging money to give it out to people, with, complete with, with cap and gown and graduation. Okay, so yeah, so anybody teaching a master class of some sort of special revelation they got from God, and the only way you're going to get this special revelation 
which by the way, I'm the only one who has it. Now you got to take my master class. This is a this is a money making scheme. They're scamming you. Save your money, and you want to learn how to pray. Read the Bible, study the life of Christ, and you'll learn how to pray. But no master class is honest because of people getting special revelations or special insights. If you hear about a service or you allegedly been in a church service, this is numbers, number six, and they're talking about gold dust falling in the service. And I've heard this all the time. Guy said, "Oh, brother Ryan, I got some stories for you now." I said, "Well, what are you? What are we talking about?" Man, we were in a service in, in in Madison Square Garden, and it was gold dust falling from the rafters. Where is that anywhere in the Bible? Show me that anywhere in Scripture where gold dust fell from the sky. Even if that was the case, so what? So, so let me get this straight. Let me see. We have a situation in Ukraine now where the Russians and Ukrainians are fighting. Putin's been threatening nuclear, the use of nuclear weapons. The United States is now sending them cluster bombs, which many countries have banned, and people are against us doing it. Uh, weapons are the weapons seems to get to keep getting es- escalating because now we put in cluster bombs. Guess what the Russians are going to do? They're going to keep uh, upping the ante in terms of weapons. Uh, Finland and Sweden just joined NATO, so NATO has now expanded and and. Finland shares a nice uh, borderline with Russia. Okay. And Putin's been threatening threatening to use nukes. So we are dangerously close to a nuclear war. Because if, if for any reason those missiles miss and they land in a NATO country, then the treaty requires all NATO nations to respond in kind. You see where I'm going with this? But the best God can do, the best God can do in a service is throw down some gold dust. We're at the brink of nuclear war, and all God's going to do is give you some gold dust. Wow. Are we in trouble or what? Listen. I know God can do multiple things at one time. God can walk and chew gum at the same time. He can handle the Ukraine situation and throw it on gold dust at exactly the same time. I, I get that. No, saints. God is not making gold dust fall down from the rafters. I don't know what that has to do with anything. I don't see how that improves anybody's life. Unless I can get gather up enough gold dust and then take it down, melt it down into a bar of gold or something and what get paid? I, I don't know. This stuff isn't making any sense. One guy was in the shower and he said he was praying and I guess the water just turned to a shower of gold dust. I have yet for anybody to tell me the significance of that and what does it even mean? Other than they had an experience with gold dust. Okay, good. Didn't sanctify me. Didn't draw me any closer to God. Didn't do anything for me. Not a blessed thing. So there you are. There's your first five. You're in a service and the people are getting regular visitations from angels. You're hearing about trips to heaven, tours of hell, special revelations that require you to pay to find out what it is, and gold dust. You probably need to find another fellowship. I would seriously consider about praying about finding me another fellowship. 
and saying, okay, God, I'm here, but this is a little kooky and wacky. Let me see if I can find something else that's a little bit more biblical. All right, let's continue. That was some very stranger things there. Let's continue on here. Let's go down to verse, verse, I'm like in the Bible today. Yes, we're just talking. I know there's scriptures that we're going to get back to the Bible, believe me, and Hebrews and all that. But today, I just want to do something a little lighter and give you some things to think about. And then go, you can go back and see, is there anything in the Bible that says this stuff should be normal? Because I just don't see it. And so you can write to me at rhyd1-2001 at gmail.com with your comments. Not a problem. Number five. Number five. Personal promises of this being your season year for breakthrough and or deliverance. An over amount of personal promises of this being your season year for breakthrough and deliverance put up a red flag i don't know how many how many how many times i've heard this and it seems like saints have short memories especially when it's watch night service it's always it's always start the year with the promise of god doing wonderful and great things for you now I'm all for being optimistic and upbeat. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer or a Donald Downer. I, I, I really don't. And I think it's okay to, I think we want to give people hope. Okay, maybe this year wasn't so good, but maybe this year will be a little bit better. And so I guess a lot of people are trying to give people hope. And so, but but I don't want to promise you something that I can't, that I don't know whether or not God's actually promising you that. Um, remember the year before COVID-19 and when that, that new year, that year came around, everybody was, this is the year, it's going to be great. And it turned out to be the year from hell. COVID-19 yeah, came and that was the end of that. Because people's businesses went under, we, we were locked, we, we, we couldn't go to church. You know, thank God for Zoom. Yeah, yeah, th this is what I'm talking about. But yet, there were many people who said, this was, the, this was the year for this is our season, and this is the year for our breakthrough and deliverance. Well, it didn't happen. I've heard this over and over and over again, and I've watched people be disappointed over and over and over again. But just like somebody's in an abusive relationship, they keep coming back for more and keep on getting abused. Beware of personal prophecies. And promises, allegedly from God. When people keep telling you this is your season, your year for breakthrough and deliverance. Uh, don't be surprised if you're disappointed. I've heard this over and over and over again. And it was nothing like what people told me it was. Now you say, well, Brother Reimer, sometimes it does happen. Well, the clock that doesn't run is right twice a day. If I tell a hundred people that, yeah, probably of that hundred, two or three of them will actually have a great year and their deliverance and breakthrough will come. But what happens to the others who didn't? Yeah, what happened to the other 98 that nothing happened for? So, yeah, that's, 
something you want to be careful of. You know, take it with a grain of salt. Don't run down the street with it. And uh, nothing to get overly thrilled about. I'm very suspicious when that's all they, and it doesn't matter who gets in the prayer line. I don't care who it is. They tell it to the guy in the prayer line, then they tell it to the whole church, and then next week they come back and tell the whole church again, and they tell you again and again and again. And that's every message is about somehow somebody getting a breakthrough and deliverance. And let me say for the record, that is not the gospel. And on the road to Emmaus, Christ revealed that all the scriptures were about him. It's about Christ. The scriptures is not about your personal breakthrough. It's not about your season. And it's not about your deliverance. That's right. It's not about your deliverance. It's about Christ. Now, does Christ deliver? Yes. Does Christ give breakthrough? Yes, he does. Is there a season where God is working things out on your behalf? Sure, that's going to happen. I just can't promise you when and where and how. I don't know. Maybe this year, maybe not. But here's the one thing I do know. That I want to be part of a church that's not emphasizing so much these things, but emphasizing Christ and what he has done and how I should worship him and how all glory shall be given to him. If you want to see what a church service should look like, go to the fourth and fifth chapter of John. That's what should be happening in a church service. And there's nothing in there about your personal breakthrough. All right. And your deliverance and your season. Number four. Number four, if you're in a church service and they're asking you to run, jump, do somersaults, backflips in order to receive a blessing, okay, yeah. Mark that down and said, I probably need to start looking for another church. For some reason, Pentecostals think that the weirder it is, and I, and, the weirder something is, and the stranger the thing is, that must be God. Because they misquote the scripture, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of man. And God has chosen the base things, the foolish things to confound the wise. And so they take that to mean, if I get, the only way we can know whether God is at work or not is if I ask you to do something silly. Now, running around the church and taking your shoes off, it's harmless. But that's not preaching the gospel and that's asking you to and, and asking you to do weird things is not necessarily how you get God to do things for you just because God told him to march around the walls of Jericho does not now mean you should march around the church you know or you know people are taking uh <laughs> yeah or you know or people are taking these uh you know, you walk around the, the block and everywhere the foot of your soul shall tread, you shall possess. That was a promise given to the nation of Israel. And he was talking about conquering the promised land and taking it to advance God's kingdom. Um, people do that when they want to buy a house. If I walk around here, you know, and put my feet on this ground and uh, then I'll get the loan. I'll get, I'll, you know, everything's going to work out now. Has that actually happened for some people? Sure. But it would have happened anyway, whether they walked around it or not. Walking around the house didn't make them get it. They were going to get it because they had the means to get it. That's all. 
you'd be better off just praying and asking God for a miracle. Say, Lord, you know, just help us. We love this place and we would like to have it and ask God if you can have it. And, you know, but he's not going to make you walk around the building, you know, three times and the seventh time shout and all, none of that. You know, you heard the story about the guy who was going to get married, had this girl that he, you know, that he wanted to date and he wanted to know that she was going to be his wife. So he figured if I, so he told her, you stand here, I'm going to walk around you seven times. And in this, in this, you know, for seven days, I'm, every day I'm going to walk around you. And the seventh day, I'm going to walk around seven times, and then I'm going to praise God. And if the walls of your heart collapse, we're supposed to be married. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, th- 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 that's just bizarre. God is not telling people to do weird things like that. I think they did get married, and they were about divorced in about a year later. So, so much for that idea. Look, saints, just because it's weird. And, and the point here is that people think that if you do something weird or unconventional, therefore it must be God. Now, will God ask you to do some unconventional things sometimes? Yes, he may. But saints, it's not normative. I'm trying to, what I'm trying to show you, this stuff is not normative. It's the exception. It's not the rule. And being weird or strange you know, and if I'm an unsaved person and I'm watching this, I'm like, that Christianity is a kooky religion. I ain't hardly joining nothing like that. Yeah. It's just weird. The Apostle Paul said if somebody stranger comes in and everybody's speaking an unknown language, that person's gonna think this these people are crazy and they don't even I don't understand what you're saying. So how can I get saved? I don't even know what you're saying. You see what I'm getting at here, Saints? Sometimes as Pentecostals, we think that the weirder it is, the more spiritual it is, and therefore God must be in it. And that's, nothing could be further from the truth. That's just plain nonsense. Okay. Let's move on. Number three, number three, the... If you go to a church and you see this going on, then you need to say to yourself, maybe I need to, I need to get out. It's the title of this, of this podcast today, Get Out, like the movie Get Out. <laughs> Time to go. Time to move on. But if you're in a church where the leader is telling you that to ask him a question or if you don't obey him in every aspect of your life, then somehow uh, you're going to get in trouble with God. Now, I always encourage people, I'm not talking about being a rebel you know, I call them a pa- you got pastor's trouble or pastor's delight. You don't want to be pastor's trouble. If the only time your pastor sees you coming is that you've got some question or argument or you disagree with him on something, um, after a while, people are going to start avoiding you. A pastor's delight is a person who comes to the church and, and works and doesn't give the pastor a hard time unnecessarily. Pastor can count on you. You're, you're dependable to... Uh, work with him on whatever projects God may or may not have, God may have given him to do. 
I'm not talking about that. But there are churches that are very cultish, where if you question authority, if you say you have a question, and I'm talking about a legitimate question. I think Francis Schaeffer said there's honest answers to honest questions. So you have an honest question. You just didn't understand something, and you were asking for some clarity. And rather than give you an answer, they tell you that you're challenging them as the man of God and you have 30 days to repent. They start telling you things like you got 30 days to repent. God's going to kill you. God's going to get you. God's going to do something to you. Touch not my anointed. Don't do my prophet any harm. And all you're trying to do is be a Berean to search the scriptures to see if these things be so. But they take it as an affront upon them. And like I said, you know, uh, some people are very sensitive. So you have to be careful how you, yes, you should be careful how you approach uh, leadership. Ask God to give you wisdom. Because some people are very touchy. I get that. But if it gets to the point where you can't ask any questions without being accused of being in rebellion or something like that, and, and it's an honest question and you're, and you're just trying to get some, some insight or some information so you can, you know, better understand either what he preached or what he's teaching or what the church is doing. But if you get to that point where they they're telling you that um, you know you can't question them and you can't question leader and the leader and the, the 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 power is centralized in one man, they don't have a plurality of leadership, and his board is a bunch of yes men. Then you need to get out, find you something else, find a church where they don't mind you asking questions it's okay to ask questions it's not a crime rhyd1 2001 at gmail.com you can ask me questions it's not a problem if i don't know i'll tell you i don't know or i may say i'll research and get back to you or and i and if i'm wrong about something or have, I have, and i do it all the time i rethink things that i say sometimes and sometimes i get better understanding through conversations, that's okay. All right, I've changed my views on certain things over the years, things that I may have thought were correct, and I've learned and I've grown. And we're all learning and growing. Nobody knows everything. Anybody tells you they know everything is lying. I do not know everything. And so I'm not above being questioned or asked questions too. And if I don't know, I don't know. We may disagree, I may have a point of view, and you may have another point of view. Well, we just agree to disagree. That's not the end of days. It's not a sin because two people can't agree on, on every single point. Uh, and maybe you're just not there yet. Or maybe I'm not there yet. Maybe you had one with the insight and I just don't get it yet. Well, give me some time to catch up to you. All right? Don't write me off so quick. And vice versa. I won't write you off either. But if you're in a place where you can't question authority or leadership, then you need to get out. So let's review here right quick. When do you need to get out and find a new fellowship? Regular visitations from angels, trips to heaven, tours of hell, special revelations that require special to require you to pay to find out what it is, gold dust falling in the service, personal promises of being your season, your your your, your year for breakthrough and deliverance, being asked to run, jump, etc., to receive whatever blessings from God, doing just weird things. Claims that you can't question the leadership in the church. Those are all reasons to consider getting out. Number two, 
Number two, claims to have figured out the time that Christ will return. I don't know how many times this has been done. Over and over. I mean, Harold Camping is a classic uh, modern-day example of that. Over and over and over again, Camping predicted that Christ was going to come, and he didn't show up. There was a group of people called the Millerites back in the 1800s, and their prophetess said that Christ was going to come back in her lifetime, and, well, she died, and Christ didn't come back. Then they prophesied Christ was going to come, and these people got put on white robes and stood on top of a mountain waiting for Jesus to return. And that didn't happen, and they were so embarrassed, these Millerites um, changed their name to the Seventh-day Adventists. Yeah, so that's how the Seventh-day Adventists came about. But look, people have been predicting the time of Christ. Now, I think the latest one is 2030. Somebody said Christ is coming back in 2030. I, I promise you that's the year he's not coming back. I can guarantee you that. Because God's not going to let these false prophets be right. He ain't coming in 2030. He might come in 20. 29, or he may come in 2031, but he ain't coming in 2030. Because Jesus said, in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. It's when you're not thinking about it. That's when he's going to show up. So if you're in a church and they tell you that they know when Christ is coming back, and they start telling you and counting days and using Bible codes to figure out when Christ is going to return, and using mathematics. And uh, uh, Harold Camping was an engineer. He, he knew mathematics backwards and forward. And he tried to apply all his mathematical skills and know-how. And we know math is an exact science. Yes, it is. But he was wrong every single time on this point. Every single time. And the impact of that, people. one guy spent his entire life savings to put up bull billboards on the New Jersey Turnpike that Christ was coming back. Well, now he's broken. Now he... If he was retired, now he's unretired. He's back to work again. A couple said, we, 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 we don't have any more milk money for the baby. Why? Because Christ is returning. When Christ didn't return, now you got a problem because his baby needs milk. Yeah, see? There you go. The number one reason, and here it is, number one reason to get out. Personal appearances of Jesus on stage or in your room. People are claiming that Jesus appeared on stage and I took a picture and they're showing you this white picture with just a white light on it, not a silhouette. I'm like, what is this? It's sort of like the pictures of the UFO. You know, I, I get so tired, you know, Bigfoot, UFO, Loch Ness Monster. They take these pictures and they're always blurry. Go go to Google Earth. They, they, they have satellites that are looking down on us right now that when you focus it in, it takes an exact picture of my house right down to my car. Now they blur the plates on it. But with pinpoint accuracy, it's clear. You can see my car. You can see my house. You can see my backyard. You can see everything. Clear. From a satellite picture. But somehow, they can't get... Uh, the satellite can't, is, is taking pictures of the entire Earth. But a UFO shows up and it's blurry. Bigfoot is walking through the woods and he's blurry. Loch Ness Monster, it might be something, I don't know. You have to squint your eyes at the picture to determine what am I even looking at. This stuff is the emperor's new clothes. Pictures of Christ, it's a white light, silhouette, blurry. I don't know what I'm looking at. Christ appearing on stage, I saw him. Angels are standing up here right now, run up to the altar. 
There's a pool right here on the floor. Meantime, looking at a floor, I don't see a pool. This is pure and utter nonsense. You're in a church like that where they tell you angels and Jesus are appearing in the church service. Get out. It's nonsense. Don't waste your time. Start looking for a real Christian fellowship. Get out. Today is an abbreviated and a much shorter Sword in the Spirit All My podcast will not necessarily be an hour long, but I just wanted to share some things and just have an easy day because next Saturday, when I'll be working on the next podcast, I will be having a group of young people and the title will be Church to Next Generation. And we'll be going on with this theme of last time, I, last week we talked about um, how do we choose a church. Today I talked about some things to make you get out of some churches. And we will continue the theme on how do we choose a church. We're going to be talking to some millennials and some Gen X to see how they view the church today. And what do they look for when they're looking for a church. So it's going to be a very interesting roundtable discussion and I say roundtable because I'm not Elder Reimer I'm not Don Reimer we're not at the roundtable we're just at a we're just I'm just Don Reimer and that's all there is and everybody's equal that's why the table is round the way that there's no head at this table except for Christ and we're just going to have a nice uh, discussion and conversation about how they their generation how they view the church and things that they may or may not uh, like about the church. It's, it's a non-judgmental environment. It's a safe environment. You'll get no judgment from me. And hopefully, the listeners, you shouldn't be judging them either. Just listen and learn and grow. And then we can better know how to serve them. I'm not saying everything they're going to say is right. But everything they say won't be wrong either. We need to just see what we can do to reach into the next generation you know the church is only one generation from extinction you lose the young people then the church just ages out and then that's it boom we're done all right so we need to get some younger people into the house of god amen and amen so that's what's going to be happening and that may be a two-hour episode depending on how it goes i may have to split it up into two two episodes uh but we'll see how it goes we see how it goes God bless you. I appreciate everyone that listens to the Sword and Spirit. I don't take it lightly. Uh, I praise and I thank God. You know, I'm not about... I mean, it would be nice to have a lot of numbers. And uh, and I've got some good numbers. But uh, at the end of the day, it's about the truth. And sometimes you tell the truth and you just lose people rather than actually gain more people. But that's okay. This podcast is about the truth and telling the truth. And challenging us to have conversations. If I say some things that turn you off, let Jesus turn you back on. Uh, just stay strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And we're going to have some more upcoming interviews and roundtable discussions. And I'm excited. It's going to be happening this season. And so, uh, by God's grace and God sparing my life, we're going to have some more uh, interesting topics and discussions so stick around 
If you want to connect with me, rhyd1 2001 at gmail.com comments questions uh podcast ideas the things that you'd like to hear me talk about or discuss um shoot them at me it's okay and uh, you know i'll take it all in all things into consideration so stay strong and let's just see if we can keep this thing going here be a blessing to God's people. Amen. And amen. And from time to time, I'm going to do what I always, what I like to do from time to time is just pray. God, I just pray for everybody listening to these podcasts that you bless them and they grow thereby. They get motivated to get into the word and give them a hunger and thirst for you, Jesus. Because that's the bottom line, to get people into the word of God and to get people to Christ who himself is the savior of the world. I can do that with this podcast, Lord, and point them to you and not to me. Lord, I'll be thrilled. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So be blessed, people, and I will see you next week, God willing. And for that great roundtable discussion, I'm excited. Stick around.